Welcome to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset with me, Johnny Pardo. Welcome back to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset podcast with me, Johnny Pardo. Today, I welcome a special guest, Shelley, today, where we're going to be talking about self-confidence and the power of belief. So welcome to the show, Shelley. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Uh, so it's a pleasure you're here and um, to have you on here. And I know we're going to, we're just talking, I know we're going to have a great thought-provoking conversation today. So I'm excited for that. So yeah, we're going to be focusing a lot around beliefs and Shelley's going to share a little bit about her work. So first of all, uh, Shelley, can you tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of what you do and actually what got you so interested into this area of looking at people's beliefs and people's emotions uh be really interesting to hear your kind of like backstory from that okay so um my late husband was looking at his own life he was on what he calls an uh, intellectual spiritual um journey to discover why people knew what to do and didn't do it or knew what not to do and did it. So people go into relationships going in that they know is the wrong relationship for them. Um, We know seatbelts save lives and many people don't wear seatbelts. We know if we eat healthily, Mm -hmm. we will live longer and have better lives. Um, And yet we don't do the things we know to do. Obviously procrastination is one of the biggest problems Uh, in the world today. Um, So he was looking at his own life and he felt very stuck um, and was on a plane going to California and started kind of journaling and just writing. And by the time he landed, he had created a process. And now I'm going back over 30 years. So when we used to say beliefs, people would say, you mean religious beliefs? Like what do you mean? And now everybody's talking about beliefs because it's starting to be common knowledge that if you if your beliefs are inconsistent with the behavior that you want, you will not do it. No matter. And we all have experiences of um, going to workshops, learning a lot of great things, taking pages and pages of notes, and mm-hmm. we come out. And we're all jazzed and ready to go. And then three to four days later, the notes are in the drawer and nothing's changed. And it isn't that it isn't great information. People have a Mm. lot of great information. But if your beliefs and a belief, when I say beliefs, Johnny, I mean a statement about reality that you think is the truth. Yeah. So if you believe something to be true, if I believe it, it is true. It's not wishy-washy. It's not sometimes. It's the truth. So he came home from this trip. Um, he was pitching. We were doing corporate consulting at the time, and he was pitching these people uh, in California, actually on self-esteem. Um, they had um, give, been given a grant of a million dollars to study self-esteem and he pitched um, and got the account and using this process that he created 
on these people. And he came home and he did it with a friend. And she said, I want to get married. I want to meet somebody. And it was actually my husband's ex-wife, who's part of my family. And he said to her, well, what do you believe about marriage? And she said, well, marriage is suffocating and uh, you have to give up your self-expression and, you know, men are selfish. And she was kind of sprouting these beliefs and, and he picked a belief and he did the process with her. And I watched him do it. And I had this profoundly powerful experience that that was why I was on the planet to do that. It was just like, oh my God, this is why I'm here. And so I've been doing it ever since. Um, wow. And in my own life, I'll share one more thing. In my own life, um, I always thought, oh, I don't have anything to work on. I'm good. I had a great childhood. You know, I'm, I'm good. And then um, I did some personal growth work before this and opened up a lot to it. And one of the things that I realized was um, I had a mother who only wanted me to be popular, included, and loved. So she was really happy if I was invited to a party and really upset if my friends left without me. You know, so so I had the belief, which is a very, very, very common belief, what makes me good enough is having other people love me and think well of me. And so when I would be with people, I would always walk away going, does she like me? And what, what should I wear to the party? And I don't want to be too overdressed. I don't want to be too underdressed. And what if people don't like it? And, you know, that voice in your head that's always worried about what's this one going to think and what's that one going to think. <clears throat> and when I got rid of the belief, I'm not good enough. And what makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. I became my authentic self. And I can speak in front of 600 people now. And I did. And, you know, people, I, I want to serve. I want to give. But people will think what they think and it no longer is an issue. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that experience and interesting how you came across it uh, for, for your husband. And one thing I wanted to touch on was actually something you said early, um, early on when actually your, your husband was curious, why is it people know what to do and they don't do it? And why do they know what not to do? And they still end up doing that. Uh, so, for example, I've certainly been there for many times in my life. Um, like, I want a certain amount of money. Um, I want a certain relationship. Um, and then you're like, okay, right, for money, I know I've got to not overspend, but yet I've overspent. I know I've got to look after money. I know I need to earn more than I expend, yet weren't doing it, blowing it on all sorts of silly things. I know I'm not the only person on the planet who does that, by the way. I know a lot of us have challenges with that. And consciously, we were actually like, well, I want a lot of money. Okay. But perhaps there's that, that belief I found certainly for me was like, mm, maybe I wasn't worthy of it. And I don't know where that came from. So my kind of question for you is, where do you see beliefs coming from? So <clears throat> I have taken this on the road. I, I just worked with people in Vietnam 
a hundred people and I ask them the question, when you come home at the end of the day, what do your children do when they see you? And Johnny, I've asked this question to my client in Uganda, in Kuwait, and everybody says the same thing. They run to me. And I say, and what do they want? And this is little children, children under six. Mm. What do they want? They want three things, affection, attention, and acknowledgement. And then I ask the question, what is the one word every child asks all day long, every three-year-old, every four-year-old? And the whole audience shouts, why? This time it was in Vietnamese, <laughs> but why? So we come into this world as a little ball of consciousness and we don't know anything about ourselves, life, people, or the world. So we show up in a home and we cry and we don't get picked up. Or we're talking to our parents and they're looking at their phones. Or, you know, in my case, my dad was behind a newspaper at dinner. And the child asks, why am I not getting attention from my parents? And I'm saying this particular one because the phone today is the worst thing that's ever happened um, to parents. So they're looking at their phone and the kid is talking to them and they go, mm -hmm, I'm, I'm listening. And the kid says, why can't I get my parents' attention? Well, I guess I'm not important. Why am I getting yelled at and criticized? Why can't I live up to my parents' expectations? Oh, I see. I'm not good enough. Why are my parents complaining about money and, and how hard it is to, and they're struggling and, and, and they can't pay their bills? Oh, I see. Money is scarce and hard to get. Life is hard. So we conclude things based on our little world that we show up in when we arrive. Now, here's the thing that is what I call the juice, the power. The reason our beliefs stay with us through workshops, through evidence to the contrary, I always kill my credibility by saying I've worked with five Harvard PhDs who had the belief I'm stupid. So they knew they weren't stupid. They had a PhD mm. from Harvard. But every time something happened or they made a mistake or they failed, that's what came up. Oh, God, I'm so stupid. And one of them stayed at this company that we worked in for two years when he knew he was he was a staff psychologist and he didn't want to be there anymore. He was he, the belief I'm stupid was keeping him from changing jobs. And here's why. We think we see our beliefs in the world. Like if you were there, 
you would have seen that I'm not good enough. <clears throat> and when I say to people, when we do the process, um, and I'm gonna, you know, give your listen listeners an opportunity to do it for free, mm-hmm. to experience it. But when you look at, when I say to people, doesn't it seem like you saw life is hard? They go, well, I did see it. And then what they get is, no, you saw your parents struggling. You saw failing in school and getting criticized by your father or your mother. You saw your mom looking at her iPhone while she was talking to you. And the only place I'm not important, I'm not good enough, life is hard ever existed was in your mind, you made that up. Like Santa Claus. So you believe in Santa Claus for eight years. And one day you get, I never saw Santa Claus. I saw a man in a red costume and a white beard. I made up that was Santa Claus. That belief is gone and never comes back. So when you do our work, you look at your pattern, whether it's procrastination or not speaking up for yourself or overspending or worrying about what people think and and not being authentic, um, not going for your dreams, whatever your pattern is, underneath it are these beliefs that cause it. And when you get rid of these beliefs, the pattern goes away, including self-doubt. And the reason people think you'll always have it is because no one, very few, I don't know anybody who, who knows how to permanently get rid of your beliefs like we do. So that's why people say, oh, you'll always have it. If you really eliminate the beliefs, the self-doubt goes away. And that doesn't mean you'll never have a moment of of where you doubt yourself. Oh my God, can Mm. I do this? But that sense of self-doubt that's always there, that goes away. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. And we don't, yeah, we don't necessarily have the right logical mind, right? In those cases to analyze, you know, this is, They've said something that that could mean something else. We just take it in, right? And it's kind of associating whether it's money, whether you're good enough. Uh, those are key ones. So what you're saying is it is possible to change beliefs with the right approach. A hundred percent. Not change them. Elim- yes, eliminate. change them. But, but, but I use the word eliminate because it, it, you really do. You, you know, when when I have, if you want to see if you have a belief, you say the words out loud. So I always have in a podcast, I always tell everybody, take a deep breath. Now say, I'm not good enough. Now say, I'm a monkey. Hmm. So when you say, I'm a monkey, it feels silly, right? When you say, I'm not good enough, does it feel the same or different? And everybody says different. I had a podcast host who asked me to take him through the process. And he had a belief 
um, that he was um, a, that he was a terrible singer, and his daughter wanted him to do a father daughter um, uh, show together where they had to sing, and he couldn't do it, and he was devastated, and he didn't want to disappoint his daughter. So I did the process with him, and he got rid of the belief. And what happens is your whole when a belief goes away, your face lights up. You say the words of the belief and it feels flat. So there's the the, the one belief that makes people cry uh, if they have it when they say it is I'm not worth loving or I'm not lovable. Mm. And I say, say I'm not worth loving. And they go like this, Johnny. Like they can't say the words. It's too painful. And I take them through the process and the belief goes away. And they say, okay, now say I'm not worth loving. And they go, I'm not worth loving. That's ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Powerful. Yeah. I just thought I'd, uh, you know, check that point that they can be changed because there is a process, there is a way because someone might be listening and thinking, oh, wow, I've got all these negative beliefs and whether they're conscious or unconscious and they're like, right, how do I really change this? And it, it is possible. So that's amazing. And you, I, I noticed you meant like when I was reading your stuff, I noticed a term which was frustration into fascination. So um, is that something when we when we do certain behaviors in a way like that's either self-sabotaging or like not good for us is that something you would advise people to just do like have a look at actually why am i doing that and then look a bit deep on a on a sort of regular basis yeah so first of all i don't like the question why mm. so why is meaning i'll talk about meaning in a minute Okay. meaning is made up meaning is in your mind it's not in the events events have no inherent meaning <clears throat> so another way of saying that is we don't know anything for sure because something happens so somebody cuts you off and you go oh they're a jerk that's meaning or uh, somebody walks past you and doesn't say hello to you and you go they don't like me anymore and the meaning that we give events causes all our negative emotions. So I could teach you a quick trick to get rid of any negative emotion in the moment. But ultimately, the meaning that we give comes from our beliefs. So if you get rid of your beliefs, you won't give that meaning. If you get rid of the belief, I'm not important, and somebody ignores you, you're not going to give it the meaning they don't care about me or I'm not important to them. So instead of getting angry, you might just say, you know, Johnny, I don't really like being ignored. I, I don't ignore you. I'd like you to not ignore me. Mm -hmm. There's no upset. There's no anger. The anger comes from the meaning. So I don't ask the question why, because even if you knew why, it's not powerful. So I don't like sex because I was molested as a child. Okay, now what? You have information, you know that, but it's not powerful. 
what is a, is a way better question. So in answer to your question, what do I believe? What might I believe that would have me doing that thing? And you may not be able to get rid of the belief, and I'm going to give you a, a way to do that. <clears throat> I mean, I wish I could just tell you, just do this, 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 and this, and you'll get rid of your beliefs. Mm. I will do it. I'm a giver. But it's not that simple. We train people. You know, we have a, a long training to train how to do what I do. But it's not complicated. It's very simple to do it. So, but asking the question, what might I believe that has me doing this will keep you from being a victim because most people blame the circumstances. Oh, it's the economy. Oh, it's the pandemic. Oh, it's, you know, it's that person or it's this culture or as opposed to, gee, this keeps happening. That's what a pattern is. So a pattern is observable. I can see you procrastinate. I can see you not stand up for yourself. I can see you struggling with money. So patterns are what we want to change. Beliefs are a means to an end, right? So I can help you get rid of a belief and that's great. And it's you'll go, oh my God, that was amazing. But the pattern won't go away until we get all the beliefs. Yeah. So yes, asking the question, gee, I wonder what might, and you can take yourself out of the equation and say, what might somebody who overspends when they want to have a lot of money, but they don't save, they're not being responsible about it, what might they believe? And logically, you can say, well, maybe I don't deserve a lot of money. Maybe I'm not worth it. Or Maybe um, you have to spend your money now because you may lose it later. You know, I had a client whose father uh, went bankrupt when he was like 10 years old. And he concluded, you have to spend your money now because you may not have it later. Wow. And he was an overspender. Uh, wow. That's, in, that's incredible. Just yeah, how the how how some of these beliefs come into our head, like you know, that from some of these circumstances, and you're not even aware of it half the time until you start getting that curiosity almost into, hmm, there's that pattern again. What what or why is that belief? What be, what belief might that be? And yeah. ask yourself those questions. Yeah. In in sort of like day-to-day -day, obviously we, we talked a little bit about those experiences early on in day-to-day -day, is there an impact from your surrounding environment to reinforce beliefs or decrease them from the people you're hanging out with do you find yeah you know that's a, an interesting question you always have evidence that your beliefs are true you know Women say to me, I just meet men who are abusive. I never met an abusive man in my life, you know, and I was single till I was 30. You know, I just never did. Um, people who have the belief people can't be trusted somehow manifest people who can't be trusted in their lives. You know, they meet 
women meet men who cheat or or men meet you know women who are dishonest or you or they work for people who have no integrity so i don't know that it it yes i guess you can say it reinforces the belief in that you believe something is true and then something happens and you go see i told you and that's the whole point let's assume you and i were standing on the street and we're talking and somebody walks by and you have the belief they don't like you and they walk by and they just walk by and don't say hello you would say to me see i told you they don't like me it's like you said it's like reinforcing the belief that they don't like you however you can't see they don't like you. You just saw them walk by and not say hello. They don't like me is in your mind. Mm -hmm. So again, we have a, a tool where you could say, well, it could mean they don't like me. And it also could mean that they didn't see me. And it could mean they don't think I like them. But the fact that they didn't say hello has no inherent meaning. The meaning's in my mind. It's not in the events. It's the meaning you give it. Hmm. And then the emotion goes away. So if you have the belief, yes, it will be reinforced all the time because you keep thinking you're seeing evidence that the belief is true. Mm. It's a good point. I'm linking to that. I was going to ask you about the just just actually being a bit more self-aware and feeling some of these emotions and some of these beliefs. Do you find? I mean, I know you you, you speak in front of you work with you work with a variety of people. I'm sure. And do you find there's a common pattern for people to kind of? run away or mask their beliefs and emotions and just not sit with them? And how important is that in the journey to uncovering the beliefs? Yeah, that's a great question, Johnny. What, what happens is we, so let's assume we come into this world and we conclude I'm not good enough because most parents don't have parenting skills. So, and they have unrealistic expectations. So if a child is running around a restaurant, instead of saying, Johnny, I know you want to run around the restaurant. You're five years old and full of energy, but you can't because it disturbs people. They say, get over here. What's wrong with you? Sit down. So the child thinks that there's something wrong with me, right? So now we have the belief I'm not good enough. I'm not important. I don't get the attention I want. And one day we get acknowledged for something, achievements, you get an A and you get a pat on the head and then you score a goal and you get a pat on the head and you go, oh, what makes me good enough is achieving things. That's what workaholism is, by the way. Mm. Now I have what I call a beach ball. Do you ever try to hold a beach ball underwater? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, right? Mm. 
So you could do it and you can do it and you could sit on it, but it's going to keep popping up. I'm not, this is why I'm not a fan of affirmations because you can't put something where there already is something. I'm good enough. 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 <laughs> right? The only mm -hmm. person who has to stand in the mirror and say, I'm good enough is somebody who believes what? That they're good enough. <laughs> no, the only person who stands in front of the mirror saying, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm good enough has to believe what? Uh, that they're not. That yeah. they're not good yeah. enough. Because somebody who believes I'm good enough doesn't need to stand in front of a mirror. Right? Mm. It's just good enough. So now we have, I'm not good enough. Now on top of, so I have my fist in front of me for those of you who are listening. Yeah, listening, yeah. Okay. So the belief is I'm not good enough. That's my fist. Now I'm putting my hand on top of my fist. What makes me good enough is achieving things or doing things perfectly. So with, or taking care of people. So if you're the oldest of 10, you got acknowledged as a kid for helping with the siblings. So now you believe what makes me good enough is taking care of people and you become a caretaker. You become a nurse or a healthcare, or you just take care of everybody. Because the minute you stop your survival strategy belief, stops working, up comes, I'm not good enough. So you have to keep it underwater. So in answer to your question, do people try to avoid their beliefs like the plague? So either they stay very, very busy or they just, as I said, blame other people or you know they just don't look at themselves and they're always taking care of people or they're always working. So the survival strategy beliefs kick in if you don't have survival strategy and survival strategy beliefs are driven, they're like a heroin addiction, right? You can't stop workaholism. I had a client who called me and he said, Shelly, I need help. I said, what's wrong? He said, I, my third wife's ready to divorce me. I don't know my kids. I keep promising I'm going to go to their games. I'm going to go to their plays and I keep not showing up. He said, you got to help me. His, he, and he said, I am worth $10 million. I'm on the cover of business publications and I can't stop. I'm not good enough. I'm not important. What makes me good enough and important is achieving things. He can't, he wanted to stop. He wanted to be a better father and a better husband. Workaholic, workaholics don't want to, they want hobbies. They want a life. Mm. But those beliefs that you're talking about self-esteem and self-confidence, their self-esteem is tied to something. And what our work is about, how I raised my kids was, you are good enough and important, period. Your good enoughness is not tied to how fast you swim across a swimming pool, how many goals you get. Your self-esteem is not attached to your A's, your grades, 
who you are is going to win, you're going to lose. You're going to excel. You're going to fail. I promise. Mm. You know, when Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team as a sophomore, he didn't say what most kids say. I suck at it. I just suck at basketball. He said, I am going to practice and practice and practice and practice. And we all know how that ended up. And he got cut. But how many clients I work with who say, I got cut and I concluded I suck. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Wow. Yeah, is <laughs> as thought-provoking as I thought we'd be yeah. having this, this conversation. And I guess just, um, it, you know, some people could have the same pattern of bad behavior as well and also have different beliefs as well. So I'm just thinking, for example, your, your client you mentioned, workaholic, but could potentially be making quite a lot of money. You could also have a workaholic who struggles to maintain money and just is it like, you know, work is working like 50 hours a week and not earning a lot and they're blowing their money. And I guess that individual is going to have a different set of beliefs about money than actually the workaholic, but they could still have that same pattern. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's what I was thinking. It's uh, you yeah. know, you could have similar patterns, but you can have different beliefs and yeah, different patterns. Yeah. You have to work hard to make money. So they work hard and they're not making money, but they believe you have to work hard to make money. So they keep working harder and harder and harder. And they, money can be and hard. And yeah, they can money believe is they're not worthy of money as well. Mm -hmm. mm. So they don't ask for it. Money is scarce and hard to get. Then there are beliefs. Um, I had one this week that I, it's one of my favorite. His parents uh, fought all the time about money. His mother forged his father's name on checks and shoplifted. Oh, it was a she. And she had the belief um, money causes problems. Money is bad. My, um, one other one. Oh. You can also have religious beliefs. Money is the root of all evil. If I'm successful, people will mm -hmm. hate me. Um, it's selfish to have a lot of money. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And you said something I want to illuminate. Most of our beliefs are unconscious. We don't even know we have them. Mm. Still the way. And that's the that's the importance of the work people like yourself are doing, trying to try to help us realize them because they're controlling our life without <laughs> us even being conscious to them. And I know I certainly done a lot of work and I'm going to continue to have a lot of work to do mine. And I know people similar in the space of um, who are aware of this have done a lot of work on their beliefs as well so yeah uh, it's amazing the work you're doing 
we created, uh, you know, not everybody can have private sessions and mm. uh, not everybody wants to. Um, so we created a, and I was thinking about you and I was listening to your podcast, um, a, a program with an interactive video and it has 19 of the most common self-esteem beliefs that people have, including and this, this I want to say, because this is fascinating. Every business book worth its salt will tell you that mistakes and failures, making mistakes and failing is the only way to succeed. There's a book called Fail Forward. There are books, you know, Larry Page and Sergey Brin say, if you're not failing, uh, 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 sorry, Richard Branson says, if you're not failing a lot, you're going to be mediocre because if you're not failing, you're doing what you did yesterday and you're never going to be successful. And all the business people I know read those books. They know the quotes, you know, um, and yet the belief mistakes and failures are bad doesn't go away. So on this program, mistakes and failures are bad. And if I make a mistake or fail, I'll be rejected is on there. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve all of those beliefs. And then we have a way to get rid of um, fear. So you talked about fear. Belief, so stimulus, something, a trigger gets conditioned. It's like Pavlov's dog to produce an emotion. So we might have fear associated with conflict. When you're a kid, the conflict didn't cause the fear. My kids have no fear of conflict. What always causes fear is a real or imagined threat to your survival. That is the only thing that causes fear. You take away the threat to the survival, the fear goes away. So whether you have a fear of criticism and judgment, not living up to an expectation, rejection, um, on, on this program, we help you get rid of them by doing this little Pavlovian exercise that my genius late husband created, where you get every time um, conflict was present, you were hit or you felt unloved by the people on whom your survival depended, right? When, when your parents are yelling and screaming at you, you don't feel loved as a child. So every time conflict is present, there's a perceived threat to your survival. This is what causes the fear, not the conflict. And when you actually make that distinction, you're brain separates the two things because in your neocortex those two things are now together right um so so the fear goes away and it stays away so we have three of those conditionings on the program and what i would um uh, gift people your listeners because you're so dedicated to them to do a podcast five days a week is extraordinary um, you can go to um, eliminatebeliefs.com 
Mm-hmm. You can eliminate a belief for free. We give you three of the most common beliefs that people have. And if you think you don't have it, say it out loud, sit with it, because you probably do, uh, and pick one and then you can just eliminate it. Wow, that's awesome. Eliminatebeliefs.com. We're yep. making that, that one. That's yeah. awesome. Wow. Yeah, Shelley, been a, an amazing conversation, particularly for the some there's been some highlights in this and like what you said much earlier, but it was around you can't put in like the affirmations going back to that, you can't put in something if there's like that beach ball there that's still trying to pop up, which is that 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 belief. And I think looking at that website, eliminatebeliefs.com or help people see a little bit more of maybe some of their patterns and thinking, okay. Uh, I do believe that that's that's why so yeah I'll be sure to link that up um, yeah so- before, before you do the belief mm-hmm. ask yourself the question after you pick one of the three beliefs ask yourself the question how does that belief impact my life mm. do you have the belief mistakes and failures are bad are you going to take risks and notice, because that's the that's the first step is to notice. If you believe I'm not good enough, how does that belief impact your life? What would be different if you didn't have it? And that way, after you eliminate the belief, you could look at that pattern again and see if there's any shift or change. Now, again, there's a lot of beliefs under or some beliefs. Underlying fear of public speaking is mm, 11 beliefs. Give me four sessions, get rid of it, pretty guaranteed, right? I mean, um, underlying procrastination, pretty much the same, you know, 10, 11 beliefs. Yeah, very true. And then like even just thinking about when you, people going on camera and stuff like that, they've got that that judgment, that belief. It's a thing that holds lots of us back and... I, I, me personally, I love jumping on camera. I always have, and I just remember being a kid and parents like, "Oh, you're such a good actor, aren't you?" And those kind of things. But yeah, yeah. then there's other things that don't serve us. So yeah, Shelley, there's well for me personally, I know there's been lots of ahas, and I know anyone listening today, there would have been lots of ahas. So yeah, what I just wanted to kind of like wrap up and say thank you, and obviously you've given eliminatebeliefs.com as a as a reference for people to find you. They I'm sure they can get in touch with you. Where where else is the uh, best place to find you if there's anywhere else? Well, Lefko, L-E-F as in Frank dot, sorry, L-E-F-K-O-E institute.com is a good place to find out about us. And, you know, they can um, look there. Shelly at lefkoinstitute.com is my email. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll link those up in the, in the description then. So once again, Shelley, a big thank you for everything you've shared today and for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate it. So that concludes our episode for today. And remember, work on your self-confidence every single day. <laughs>